Ooh, there we go. All right. Uh, we're ready to get started here. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the uh, Forest Park Southeast Neighborhood Association meeting, uh, January 2024 edition. Um, some ground rules before we get started here. Uh, we are on Zoom, so please enter your questions into the chat. Um, if you'd like to say something, uh, we'll... Uh, you can enter your questions in the chat there and we can call on you later. Um, please no inter interruptions and behave with common courtesy. Uh, today's agenda, uh, we'll start out with some public comments. If anyone has anything like to share, we'll go into board updates, uh, crime and safety report, the treasurer's report. Uh, we'll cover some events and some news, and then we'll get into our guest speakers. Um, we have uh, Suzanne and Aaron from the Neighborhood Foresters, and then we have uh, Anna Marie and Liz Kramer uh, talking about the St. Louis Strategic Land Use Plan. Uh, originally, it was going to be a really awesome workshop, uh, but we'll still have some really awesome discussions, and uh, we can help move our city forward in the way that we want, right? All right. Um, I didn't make a slide for public comment, but uh, if anyone has anything they'd like to share, um, thoughts, concerns, questions. Um, we have about five minutes for that. Otherwise, we can go into word updates. But thank you. All right. Um, can always come back to this at the end of the meeting. Um, but for now, we will send it over to Michael Browning with uh, word updates. Michael. Hi, everyone. Good to see you all, and I uh, hope you're all staying warm. Uh, just a few updates for you. Uh, the board has been on break uh, for the past few weeks, and so uh, while I don't have many updates on board bills right now, I do have some updates on things going on in the ward. Uh, so the first of which is January 23rd uh, at 5 p.m., uh, there will be a SWOOP workshop. What is the SWOOP? It is the strategic land use plan, uh, essentially all the zoning in St. Louis and how we lay out our development, our infrastructure, uh, where you want things to go, whether it's housing or stores or all that fun stuff. Uh, that is something that we're taking a hard look at in St. Louis, and we want to hear from you. Dan already has a slide because he's great. So, um, well, we are our guest speakers today. Yeah, so I'll, I'll leave the rest of that up to them, but I just want to shout that out. Uh, and then um, also want to highlight a closure that's coming up in February. Uh, I think Dan has a slide for this too. Uh, so starting February 14th, Valentine's Day, uh, we will have some closures on Kings Highway while some new steam tanks are being installed for the brand new Barnes Jewish Tower. Uh, the steam tanks go underneath Kings Highway. So what they will be doing is they will be closing all northbound lanes of Kings Highway. Uh, and this will work will occur for six weekends in a row, but the first uh, opening week will start with uh, almost a full week of closures. The traffic will be diverted, uh, northbound traffic will be diverted into the southbound lanes down to one lane headed north. And uh, you'll be able to continue to use it, but just keep in mind that there will be a little more, um, a little more congestion. So if you can't avoid it, uh, that would make it easier for everybody. 
and uh, hope that you can all stay safe during this time. There will be ample signage that will let you know about all of that. Um, other than that, uh, I think that's it. I'm forgetting something. One second, let me check. CSB. As always, CSB. Uh, yeah, if you have any uh, anything that the city needs to fix, uh, you see a pothole, you see a trash can that's overflowing, um, you uh, see a street sign that's missing or crooked or anything like that, please report it to CSB. Uh, it's the fastest way to get it fixed. They'll route it to the proper department and help get it fixed. So the number is there uh, and you'll be able to um, report that and they'll be able to help out with that. Uh, otherwise, uh, I'll be sure to have more updates for you come February, but I'm sure Dan will announce later what the February meeting will be featuring. Yes, Dan, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Uh, which we're really excited about. Uh, the community will have a chance to weigh in on some development that I think is a very exciting spot in the ward. So uh, please make sure you attend next month's meeting. And uh, with that, I'll hand it back to Dan, unless anyone has any questions. No questions? Okay. I'll go ahead and drop the uh, link in the chat. Oh, one last thing, Rams engagement. Uh, I knew I was forgetting something. The Rams engagement, uh, we've reached the final uh, vote on the priority challenges. We've got 20 ideas and you can go to the web address there to vote. That voting is open until February 2nd. So make sure you hurry up and get your votes in so that you can tell the Board of Aldermen exactly what priorities you think we should be spending uh, this once in a lifetime pot of money on. And with that, I'll hand it back to Dan. Thank you, Dan. Cool, thanks, Michael. Uh, we will jump into the crime and safety report with Officer Walker. Hello, everyone. Happy New Year. Hope everyone's doing good. Um, just real quick, um, you know, crime is still pretty much down in Forest Park, uh, Southeast neighborhood. The majority of you guys' crime still comes along that Manchester area. We have been doing quite a bit of direct patrol to the neighborhood. Um, just trying to step up our patrol to see if we can try to, you know, stop some of the crime activity in the neighborhood and along Manchester and the Shoto area. Um, the shooting over on Hunt was a um, shot spotted to a dwelling. Still no updates on that. I'm not sure exactly what went on with that. Um, but as of now, they're still investigating it, but nothing, no comments have been provided um, from the detective bureau about that. So it's still open and being investigated. Um, being mindful, um, we have a lot of people out warming up their cars in the wintertime. Just be mindful if you're going to, you know, warm your car up. It's best to sit in your car with your um, wise woman, unless you have an automatic start. We get quite a few cars stolen during the wintertime because people, you know, are trying to warm up their cars before they get it, before they get them to them. But unfortunately, criminals are out there and they are watching and they will hop in your car and drive off. So suggest, you know, if you don't have an automatic start, don't just leave your vehicle out there running. And with your key fobs, put those away because if your key fob is near and your car is running, it can take off in your car and, and get quite a few um, distance, get a nice little distance away before your car would actually shut off. So that's some things to be mindful about. Still be mindful when you're going out at the black, um, at the gas pump, pumping your gas. We still get a lot of folks, you know, hopping out of cars, even the cars running, doors unlocked. Those criminals are coming by, sliding in your vehicles, taking off in your cars, stealing those things. So be mindful about um, your safety at the um, gas pumps. 
Also, we encourage people not to sit in your cars too long. Um, that's mostly geared to some of my younger folks. You know, they sit in the car, text, talking on your phones. You make yourself a target for those. The criminals see you. They see the lights on your phone light up in your car. They see you not paying attention to your surrounding. And then here it is now, you become a victim to a robbery. So be mindful of that. Park safe. Lock your cars up. Don't leave anything valuable inside of them. We still get a lot of cars stolen, firearms inside of them, laptops, you know, currency, you name it, it's in there. If you have to leave valuables inside your vehicle, we suggest that you get a lockbox, a lock safe, and have it installed in your vehicle where you can put your valuables inside of your inside of that um, lock or that case. So if your car is stolen or someone tries to break into it, they can't get those items out of your vehicle. Um, burglary safety. I always tell everybody, you know, in the evening hours, light up your outside. The brighter, the better. The brighter it is out there, the criminals are going to go somewhere else. So if you can put motion lights up uh, outside your house, light up those dark areas around your home, keep your porch lights, back porch lights on, side house, whatever it is that you, you have to light up the outside of your house, um, we encourage that. Uh, motion sensors, um, a lot of garages that are not detached, um, don't have alarms on those. Um, if you can, put an alarm on your detached garage, maybe a camera also, um, just in case the norm breaks into your garage, you have some type of video or some type of heads up that someone is out there, you know, in your backyard or lurking around in your alleyways. Cadillac converters are still being stolen off your vehicles. Unfortunately, it's still going on or just not as much as they're they used to, but they're still doing that also. So be mindful of that also that um it's not one particular car, it's whatever car they can get up under and grab and be gone. Um, but with that, um, it's not like I said, not a whole lot going on. If you have any concerns or issues going on on your block, or you feel there's something that you know you want to make us aware of, please feel, um you know reach out to me, call me, email me. Um, Again, if I'm not in the office, email is good because if I'm out, I can't have one of the other guys follow up on it. Or if I'm in the car, I do follow up on those emails versus um, with the voicemails. It's kind of hard to deal with those when we're off. But again, if you're having any kind of issues, any kind of concerns going on, any questions for us, reach out. If you have any upcoming events that you think, hey, I may want the officers to come by, send me an email, send me the dates and times, and we'll try to get someone out there um, to attend, the earlier the better, because by manpower is kind of light, and then we are doing, you know, a lot of downtown details uh, for the rest of the year. And um, I guess this detail is pretty much going to go on all year. So we're kind of be here and there with um, a lot of events. But if you have something coming up, let us know if you would like an officer to attend, so we can try to schedule someone to be there if I can't be there. And other than that, if no one has any questions for me, I will pass it on. Any questions for Officer Walker? Not a question, uh, but I can just add a little info. Um, thank you, Officer Walker, uh, as always. Really appreciate you. Um, the The shootings that occurred uh, both on Hunt and on Talmadge in the last month uh, were both uh, having to do with Airbnbs uh, or short-term rentals. Uh, in these kids situations, we know it's very scary uh, when shots are fired and uh, people are hurt. And unfortunately, in the incident over on Talmadge, uh, someone was hurt. Uh, but I do want to emphasize that this is part of the reason the city 
is cracking down on short-term rentals, that we passed regulations, and that we should see enforcement in this coming year as we get that system set up. Also a reminder to everybody that if you see somebody walking around openly displaying a weapon, uh, you can call the police over that now. Uh, that is not allowed unless you have a concealed carry permit, which most of the time people do not. So uh, make sure that you call when you see that behavior because that would definitely warrant uh, police response. And uh, we wanna definitely respond to that before it becomes uh, an escalation and shots fired. Uh, but uh, I want to emphasize again that these incidents that happen in the neighborhood are not indicative of a larger crime problem, but more so having to do with two problematic properties. We are working through the nuisance property process to get those shut down uh, if, if the owners are not going to take care of them and make sure that they're not being turned into wild parties, then we don't want them operating in the neighborhood. Uh, but uh, we, we do want to make sure everyone feels safe in the neighborhood and uh, that you know that we are taking this seriously and making sure that we're regulating this type of thing in the future uh, because we have seen this tragedy play out across St. Louis way too many times. Yeah, thanks for the context, Michael. Uh, any other questions around crime and safety before we move on? Yeah. All right. Um, I did skip over. Uh, congrats to the 2024 board. Uh, this year we had uh, Evan join us as treasurer. Uh, Sarah was reelected to member at large. Tammy, uh, was voted into secretary. Mark is now our vice president, and uh, I am serving as president uh, again, and happy to do so. So congrats to the board and looking forward to uh, doing some bigger and better things for the neighborhood. Uh, gonna jump into the treasurer's report. Uh, Ev, you want to try to take this on or do you want me to go through it? Yeah, no, I can try to take it on. Um, <laughs> so uh, the ending balance uh, of the Neighborhood Association's account uh, is $1,804.22. Um, that did jump uh, a, a little at the beginning of January with some uh, people that have... Uh, paid their, their membership dues. So um, anyone that wants to can can pay via Cash App or uh, in the future when we're on the, the trash pickups, um, they can give me cash uh, and, and we'll get that or, or a check and we will put your name down and have you on the, uh, on the list of dues paying members. Um, or if you just want to make any donation, then, then I'm happy to take that as well. Um, is there anything, Dan, that that I missed? Uh, no, I just had some slides in here of where our, most of our expenses went last year. Um, around 191 for Zoom. Uh, around 287 went to operations. Uh, this in particular went to website domain and hosting renewal for two years, and then. Um, a lot of it went to our annual event as well, uh, 2,600 for uh, music, food, uh, and other needs for uh, the great gathering that happens in September. So we did end on about $380 less than last year, 
but I think it all went to really good use to keeping everyone informed through our website, connecting through Zoom, uh, and getting everyone together at uh, our neighborhood event. So as uh, I've mentioned, uh, you can pay dues or donations through Cash App. And if you would you know, like to pay cash or check, uh, you can get in touch by sending an email to forestparksoutheast.gmail.com. Awesome. Uh, jumping into other events and news, uh, winter tree pruning. Um, I know we have a couple here today who have helped us out over the last couple months, um, helping us prune some trees. The first three months, um, November, December, and January, we've cleaned up some corners at Shoto and Taylor and Shoto and Gibson. Uh, no, Gibson and Taylor. Um, we trimmed up some trees at Shoto Dog Park, cleaned up the garden at 4351 Gibson, and uh, in February, we'll be meeting at Shoto Park and at a dog park for some continued tree beautification and pruning. Um, if you'd like to join us, uh, it'll be at 10 a.m. and we'll have all the tools. Uh, just bring your hands and maybe a couple layers of clothes. It'll probably be cold. Um, as Michael had mentioned, uh, you can vote on how uh, the city should prior prioritize uh, its RAM settlement money. If you go to stlouis.citizenlab.co, um, it's not .com, it is .co, um, you can vote on how the city should prioritize. There are 20 different areas, um, all worth exploring more, um, and your vote matters. I think last time I saw an update, it was around maybe 3,000 votes. I could be mistaken, but I think that's where we were at. So log in, you have 10 votes, uh, and choose how we should explore that money. Um, yeah, and then uh, we also have several committees always open to getting more hands in to help. So our neighborhood beautification committee um, does a lot of the tree planting, pruning and watering, flower planting, Devolcano mulching, the cleanups, and a lot more. If you'd like to get get hands on and help us uh, plan these events, um, we will use your help. But you are always welcome to join without being on the committee uh, at these events as well. And then finally, um, you can join an event committee. Oh my gosh, guys, we have a lot planned for this year. We want to do more and bigger if we can. Um, we do need the help, but if, if you're interested in planning events or designing flyers or even helping day of, um, we'd love to hear from you, uh, to shoot us an email and, uh, we'll be in touch. Um, before I move on, um, to our guest speakers, we have two of them tonight. Uh, does anyone have any questions or comments that they would like to, to share? All right. Cool. All right. We will jump into uh, neighborhood foresters. We have Aaron and we also have Suzanne, but I think Aaron will be uh, sharing all about uh, the organization. Hey, thanks. Yeah. 
Suzanne and I are board members from Neighborhood Foresters, and we have been enjoying working with Cami to help uh, run the monthly pruning that has been going on. And so we basically, ex our goal is to move past just like the planting of trees and make sure that wherever trees are being put and wherever trees are, they're getting care, right? So we can maintain the trees that we have and increase that canopy cover. So um, next slide, please. So this is just a slightly blurry summary of all the things that trees do for us in, especially in an urban environment. Uh, a lot of people, oh, oh, a lot of people tend to think of trees as sort of a beautification thing. Um, and while of course they are beautiful and we should have them for that reason, it also has huge benefits uh, as far as stormwater management, so reducing flooding of your basement, right? Um, and mental health, physical health, uh, increased biodiversity, property values increase, all of these uh, reduced heat island effect, right? Like if you have a market increase in your tree canopy, it could potentially reduce the likelihood of people dying of, you know, heat related causes uh, in summer. And so, um, the next slide shows sort of how that breaks down in the city, specifically related to canopy cover and surface temp disparity. So, right, it kind of maps roughly together. You can see like Forest Park is very leafy and very cool. Uh, same with Tower Grove Park, right? And then the more uh, downtown central corridor areas and like along the riverfront where it's all industrial, you can see tend to have less trees and be hotter. Um, so next slide. This is just showing a quick map I pulled that, uh, oh, wow, my formatting got weird. Uh, but yeah, so the tree canopy cover across Forest Park Southeast varies, um, but of course, like it's relatively low, um, like the city average is around 20%. And, you know, um, like the goal people tout is usually know. like 30% or more. So definitely there is some room for improvement, hopefully, uh, if if we can marshal the, you know, the manpower. Um, and then uh, next slide is just starts talking about some of the ways that we, uh, that we are hoping that, uh, Cami's group can work towards that. So this, these are just a couple pictures from the November Blitz showing what it looked like before and after. So this was like, I think it's a redbud tree, right? And it was just completely overgrown, which of course is not pretty to look at. So it's a beautification benefit, but also this tree can hopefully survive longer, provide more benefit to the community. Um, um, and that's only, those events are only a couple hours and not like, it's not super, you know, you don't have to be super sturdy, uh, to be able to help. And it's a pretty good time in, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, next slide. And then in addition to that, oh, I changed font. That's why everything's lowercase. Anyway, 
Um, there's also resources to that can be used to help uh, planting efforts succeed. So specifically, there's an app that our group is developing. Uh, it's metrotreelc.org. And the goal that we have is to connect trees that are recently planted to people who can water them. Uh, ideally local residents who, you know, have convenient access, hopefully, to a spigot and that tree. So this map shows the recently planted trees in Forest Park Southeast. So, I mean, ideally, you know, hopefully there would be more red dots in future, uh, but those trees all represent a significant investment of time and resources. So letting them Allowing them to die potentially just because they don't get enough extra water in summer during heat uh, dry periods is, uh, you know, an unfortunate outcome that we see a lot and it's a big waste. So we would hope that we could avoid that. And if people do adopt a neighborhood tree through the app or through the website, then they will be sent push notifications by text or email, whatever they choose, it's optional. And then that way you will know, has it been dry enough that I need to water? How long has it been since I watered? And we also will be available to provide additional help with like figuring out exactly the best way for you to water and how much. Um, we typically say like at least five, five gallons a week. More is great, but you know, at least it's getting something. <laughs> um, next slide. And then there's a big need to be more proactive in planning planting trees uh, and like planning to make sure that they're uh, diverse as far as species and that we aren't using too many non-native trees, right? Like there's lovely, wonderful non-native species, but those don't provide the same uh, environmental benefit, you know, for not, doesn't provide the same food and everything for our native pollinators and birds and everything. So this is from, this is actually from the city website. You can go online and look at and even download their data set of all of the trees in the city, uh, like street trees. And so this, the dots just vary based on species. Um, but yeah, like there's, there's quite a bit of space uh, along the streets, right? And of course, some of those space, space Spaces may not be appropriate for planting, but it looks like there might be some opportunity for future planting. Um, and, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Next best time is now, right? So uh, if it's better to be proactive and push for that investment rather than just hoping it happens because it's, it's a large pool of money and um, it's, Obviously, trees aren't always the top priority. And also, there are resources, even if there isn't money, say, like, uh, in Ward Capital, there are other resources, too, that if if there is an interest in doing a planting far enough out, then that can be applied for and provided. Uh, next slide. And then um, this is just a note. This is actually a different view. This is what the city tree inventory looks like in our Metro Tree LC. Uh, app, and you can just see we have it sort of uh, the icons are varied based on the size of the tree. So there's like a lot of little trees and uh, the west end of the neighborhood seems to have most of the like big older trees. Um, but basically, right, our goal 
with our app and with the city has an editable program now. The goal of all that is just to get a better picture of what's there and what opportunities can be seized upon. So um, if you are somebody who takes a walk all the time, right? Well, you can become a neighborhood forester and get a card to be able to prune, uh, which is something that you can ask Cami about if you come to an event. Uh, but also you can get an account from the city website to be able to update the tree inventory. And that's really helpful because in some areas it's 25, 50% out of date. It really varies across the city. Um, so yeah, we, you, we can't really do good planning for the tree canopy and put these, those investments where they're most useful if we don't have a good vision of what's going on on the ground now. Um, next slide, please. Okay, I have talked enough. <laughs> Thank you for the time. Uh, this is just um, a summary of the info that Cami has on the Facebook page for the Forest Park Southeast winter pruning events. And so, yes, yeah, the first Sunday of the month from uh, November to April. And so uh, February, February 4th, wow, uh, is the next event that will be at Shoto Park. And our group neighborhood foresters will provide supplies. If you have your own that you love, feel free to bring it. And there will be a certified arborist to provide training to make sure that everybody can make good cuts and feel confident about their volunteering. Uh, if you do have any questions, reach out to forestparksoutheast at gmail.com. And I don't know, um, Suzanne or Cami, if you have anything you wanna add, I, hopefully that was useful. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much, Erin. Um, we are hoping to plan uh, an event with the forestry department so people can get their brown cards. Um, so everyone stay tuned for that. Erin, this was so good. Uh, if they want to learn more about neighborhood foresters, where should they go? Um, so our website is um, actually stltrelc.org. Okay. So stltrelc.org. I can put it in the chat. Um, but yeah, um, we have some info there and you can also sign up for our newsletter so you can learn about any other um, events that might be going on in the area. We also try to like share events from uh, Forest Relief and like there's some MDC classes that are coming up that might be of interest to tree lovers, nature lovers. Uh, so yeah, it's even if you aren't able to join us, hopefully there'll be something useful in there. And uh, we also have a Facebook page, so. Cool, yeah, I would love to walk around with pruners or uh, an app that I can identify these trees and, and help with. So I'm always walking around, happy to lend Yeah, them. and it's easier to prune stuff when it's small and it's easier to notice stuff whenever you happen to be walking your dog past it, you know, multiple times a week. So that's part of why we're hoping to get residents involved. Well, cool. Um, any, any questions for Aaron um, before we move on? No? All right. Thank Aaron, you. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, we are going to jump into uh, our second guest speaker here. Um, 
Anna Marie and Liz will talk about uh, SLOOP, which is the St. Louis Strategic Land Use Plan. Um, I will, uh, I can make you guys co-hosts if you, if you'd like, and you can Sure, yeah. come with it. We'll share some slides. Hi, everyone. I'm Anne-Marie, former neighborhood resident. I might actually know a couple of you from my, my days on Gibson. Um, but I'm now working with Liz with the City of St. Louis's Planning and Urban Design Agency on the Strategic Land Use Plan update process. Um, in a moment, Liz will share a few slides that kind of introduces what the SLOOP is and what we're, we're doing with it. And then we'll have some time for discussion as well. We have a, a few prompts. Um, as Dan mentioned, we have a series of workshops that we do with groups um, that we have translated the discussion part um, into tonight. So we'll have a little a bit of discussion and then we'll share as well some of the upcoming workshops that um, are happening over the next couple of weeks if you'd have some time to come meet with us in person someday. But for now, I'll hand off to Liz to share our brief presentation. Great, thanks so much, Anne-Marie. And also thanks uh, for having us and thanks Alderman Browning for setting us up for this presentation so nicely. Um, so as Anne-Marie said, we're part of the consulting team that is working with the Planning and Urban Design Agency at the City of St. Louis. Anne-Marie and I are both based here in St. Louis, although members of our consulting team are based elsewhere in the United States. So uh, you got a little bit of this preview already, but I'm just going to talk a little bit about what the Strategic Land Use Plan, or the SLOOP, like soup, but with an L, um, is, and why it's important, and then a little bit about what this update is going to do. So the SLOOP is a key part of the city's comprehensive plan. It's establishing a vision about how we use the land in the city, and it helps guide future development that might happen. Uh, it's really important because it authorizes what kind of development can happen where. So if there's a redevelopment plan that happens, or there's an amendment to the zoning text, or there's a rezoning, those things are reviewed against the strategic land use plan to determine if it complies with that. So it's setting this legal guideline for what our aspirations are as a community for future development. So why are we doing this? Like what, what's happening right now? The strategic land use plan was first created in 2005. A lot has changed in St. Louis since then. Um, it has been amended over time that reflects things like redevelopment plans or changes in ownership or rezonings that have happened. Um, but this is the first time that the document has really been reconsidered from a holistic perspective. Um, and it gives us a chance to think comprehensively across the whole city about the way that we think about land use and how it can reflect our current conditions and aspirations. Um, it's also important because it is an opportunity for us to better reflect priorities. That might be things like economic justice, walkability, transit-oriented development, and climate resilience. You might think about 2005, uh, we didn't have much of a Metrolink system at that point in time. Um, things have really changed across the whole city and we have big plans for new greenways, new transit systems, and we know a lot more about what the future might look like in climate. Um, and we wanna make sure that those things are reflected in this upcoming plan. So, uh, so some of the things that we're asking as the team goes through this project to update the plan, First, we're thinking about are the current land use designations right? Um, so there are 10 current designations in the strategic land use plan. Uh, you may have heard of them before, you may not have. They have some kind of, in my opinion, obscure uh, titles that go along with them. 
Um, and they're frequently identified using um, an acronym shorthand. So things like neighborhood preservation area or the NPA uh, or the regional commercial area, the RCA. So we're exploring if these designations still make sense um, and, and how we might talk about them. Some of that has included the team reviewing other cities' land use plans and thinking about the language that they use and the kind of specificity that they offer. Um, and this is just a A through O list of some of the types of land use designations other cities are using, um, and they look pretty different than the ones that we use right now. So that's something that, that we're thinking through. Another question is, are the designations specific enough? Um, I, I, it is possible that you've looked at the strategic land use plan in the past. Um, it's 26 pages long. Uh, and when you look at the specific pages about the designations, there's not a lot of text describing what they are. So there is an opportunity to say, what would it take for these to be specific so that neighbors and residents can really understand them and they can help guide what kind of development um, we're asking for in different places. We're also asking if the document is user-friendly. Uh, I, I talked about the acronyms a little bit earlier. Uh, it, at the moment, it might not feel approachable to everyone who's using it, and we want to make sure that it can be a tool that's user-friendly across St. Louis. Um, and then finally, does it have buy-in? Uh, we, we've asked lots of people, have they ever heard of this document? Uh, and there's a very small number who know that it exists. So uh, we want to make sure that it's something that is, is known across St. Louis and is really serving the purpose it should. Um, a couple of questions that come up. One is, how does the strategic land use plan relate to neighborhood plans? So uh, this is a citywide plan. So it's providing a comprehensive vision of, of land use across St. Louis. And neighborhood plans are really meant to layer on top of that. That isn't to say that uh, neighborhood plans wouldn't influence the strategic land use plan, because at no point should that plan be promoting things that are out of alignment with what a neighborhood plan is saying should happen. Uh, so you might think about the strategic land use plan as the broad brushstrokes addressing things that are comprehensive across the whole city, which might include things like transit or heat. Um, while the neighborhood plans can get into much more fine point detail, thinking about what's happening within a specific neighborhood um, and, and even how some of those things come to fruition. Another question we get a lot is, will this actually happen? Um, and I think this is a really important question because the strategic land use plan is not a development plan. It's expressing aspirations for what should be built in specific locations in the future. So if someone initiates a development process, and that someone could be the city, a private developer, a group of individuals or people investing uh, money in the site, uh, then the sleuth comes into play to say, okay, what is it that we aspire will happen here? Um, but it's not a guarantee that that thing will happen on that site. So just to give you a little bit of a sense of where we are right now, um, we're kind of we're we're still pretty early in public engagement, but we're at the point where we've done a fair amount of assessment of the current strategic land use plan, what's happening on the ground, um, and we're moving into a phase of understanding what are the visions and goals for St. Louis, um, and getting into some of those detailed updates to the plan. The goal is for this plan to be adopted by the end of 2024. The plan is adopted by the Planning Commission. Um, so the, that is the group that will review and adopt it. 
Um, we have a newsletter that uh, actually just arrived hot off the presses today. Uh, so we're going to be distributing that. Um, but we'll have a series of these newsletters that come out to help um, get people plugged into the idea of what this is and um, what it might look like. There's a website, which Anne-Marie will put in the chat uh, for tons more information, including a version of this slideshow presentation, if you want to look back at it later. And importantly, we have a series of public workshops coming up starting next Tuesday um, that we would love to invite you and, uh, and your neighbors and your friends to. Um, in these workshops, we're going to be spending a lot more time in depth um, dealing with some of the tensions that have come up from what we've heard from the public so far. Um, so really grappling with um, how do we deal with things like the fact that people want to live in walkable areas and we rely on cars to get around in our region. Uh, how do we think about having active and vibrant commercial spaces while we know that our population is spreading out across the region? So what can we do to make spaces feel really active? So we have a number of those tensions and a series of prompts that um, folks can go through both at that, this workshop um, and then we have a series of virtual workshops the week following if you'd rather attend one of those. Um, and we have some discussion prompts that are related to those. They're like a little taste, but they won't be as hands-on as what we'll be doing next week. Um, I am happy to answer any questions or we can move into discussion. Um, I have a question, this is Sarah. Um, you referred to neighborhood plans, um, and when you say neighborhood plans, um, does that include like zoning overlays? Like we have, like Forest Park Southeast has a form-based code, which I've been told is a zoning overlay and, and is not a neighborhood plan. Um, how would that play into this? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, and I am going to want to go and make sure because this is where uh, in full disclosure I'm not an urban planner and so the ways that all of the different pieces of regulation interact with each other I will get back to you with a hundred percent confirmation my understanding is that the form-based code that exists in Forest Park Southeast is not an adopted neighborhood plan um, the strategic land use plan is also not about zoning so zoning is a regulatory tool that will will also be updated following the strategic land use plans update. Um, so my understanding, which we will again come back to you and confirm, is that the strategic land use plan will not affect your zoning overlay right now because this is about land use as a as a big tool as opposed to zoning as a sort of more specific and more targeted tool. Um, but again, Sarah, we will we will get back to you with a extremely specific answer for that. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, Sarah. And, and just logistically, Dan, we'll send that to you and if you can send it on to Sarah. Perfect. For sure. I have a question. This is Dan Scott. Hi, Dan. Um, does this mean that the city is officially uh, leaving the Team 4 plan? Or, I mean, are they are they admitting that they're, they're, they're no longer going to use that? And yeah. will this allow, will this Will this allow uh, people to use their their property uh, with more freedom? Um. So the the team floor plan that you're referring to was an attempt in the 1970s to update the comprehensive plan for the city of St. Louis. The team floor plan was never formally adopted by the city and is not what's currently in use today. 
So the 2005 strategic land use plan, the one that we're updating, um, that is the comprehensive plan that is currently used by the city. Uh, so the the goal, and I think I, I am interpreting that in your comment, one of these questions, one of your questions might be, um, is, is this like the team four plan? Um, and we are hoping that this is a much more community-driven process where we have input from across St. Louis and um, perspectives that really reflect what it is that the community wants. Um, and I think, again, to get back to that idea of buy-in, um, that, that folks really have buy-in into this idea in a way that that, that plan did not. Well, I mean, I, I think you should be really be honest. They did implement Team 4. They didn't officially implement it, but they followed it exactly to the letter. If you look at the neighborhoods, exactly this one, too, where they abandoned the code violations. They did everything that was basically in the plan, but they wouldn't admit that they were they were implementing it. Um, we want to make sure this doesn't happen again, because right now, you know, the way they're implementing it, it has a lot to do with the building division, and we haven't had a switch in um, in Frank Oswald and in the, in the director of that, that division for like 30, 40 years. He's so very used to implementing Team 4. Um, it's so important, and people, our neighbors may not understand it, but this, this is, uh, the city was so reckless and irresponsible in destroying it's how Paul McKee was able to basically destroy a huge swath of the city. We want to make sure these people in charge have a little bit of integrity this time. And I, I, we're not quite sure we're going to get that because you won't even admit that you implemented the last plan. Yeah, thank you I for raising that, Dan. And Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I just want to say thank you for raising that. And that's certainly a... Um, I would say a, a core issue that we're hearing from neighbors who've been in St. Louis a long time that have um, real distrust in planning and how it's happened in the past. Um, so we're, we are not saying that that is not true. We're saying that um, we haven't been a part of that and we are, what we're part of now is trying to make sure we do it in a different way so that there is involvement and people do feel confident in how the plan is moving forward in this, in this, this new version because absolutely we want it to be very different than both the perception and reality of what happened with the uh the, the previous plans you know we've heard about multiple kind of um, areas of broken trust in the past um so thank you for, for raising that because that's certainly something we've heard from others as well we want to make sure that we are taking steps to make sure that this is not feel like that um, as we continue to move forward with this engagement thank you i appreciate your efforts yeah absolutely does anyone else have any uh, questions or comments kind of about the sloop in general um, or about kind of upcoming engagement? Okay. Well, I'm not sure, Dana, maybe I'll, I'll ask you, should we jump into a little bit of, of discussion, kind of a teaser of, of what some of our workshop materials include? Yeah, I think we can we can do that. That'd okay. be great. Sure. Yeah. Um, so as Liz mentioned, so we are in an, another round of engagement that will have several workshops coming up. Um, I put into the chat that there'll be an in-person workshop uh, coming up on the 23rd and then several virtual workshops that are a bit later and we'll have 
um, some interactive activities as but those as well um, toward the end of the month. Um, but we want to just give you a taste of some of the discussion prompts that we'll use um, in those more interactive sessions, but today we'll just do them verbally um, so that you can both share your input now if you'd like, um, or get a sense for if you'd like to participate in one of those upcoming sessions. Um, so one of the areas that we have been hearing about from folks, and you know, we've talked to people all around the city, we've heard about a lot of things, so I'm just going to give you a little you know, little taste of uh, what area that we've heard is uh, that people are really interested in having active and vibrant commercial areas as part of um, both in their neighborhoods and places that they can go around the city. Um, so we'd like to kind of dig into that topic a little bit with you all, get your reaction as we think about what makes a place active and vibrant, um, as we think about those places in our communities that have businesses, restaurants, bars, um, how do we want those to be to be a supportive part of our neighborhood and to feel vibrant. So I'd ask each of you to actually think about an area in your neighborhood where there are businesses, restaurants, et cetera, and ask you to think about what makes that area feel like a vibrant part of your neighborhood. Um, so maybe I'll just give you a moment. Um, as you think about that, that might be something that has been there for a long time, um, or maybe something that is is newer, something that has changed over the last five or ten years. We know that many parts of your neighborhood have changed in over over time. We're curious to hear about how those changes also impact vibrancy. So I'm going to give you just a moment to reflect on a place in your neighborhood that has some of that business vibrancy, um, and then I'll ask for some discussion in a moment. So begin to have that place in mind, and then either out loud or in the chat if you'd prefer. Curious if just a few people could share, what's that place that you were thinking of, and what makes that place feel like, like a vibrant part of your community? So I'm seeing some in the chat, so walkability, close neighborhood community. Yeah, what else is standing out to folks? Getting some hearts in the chat as well. Curbside dining. Mm, so that actually outside, like seeing people dining outside, maybe not in the winter, but um, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> yeah. So those views of others interacting in the neighborhood. Is there a particular place in the neighborhood that has that curbside dining that you think about? Mm. Uh, Rise used to have that, and then they they closed mm. Song Songbird on Shoto mm -hmm. and Taylor. Um. There's a little bit of that at, at Chroma, um, but it, it feels like it's a lot less than it was before the pandemic. Mm, so that's maybe a change that you've noticed, but something that could add vibrancy is more of that from your perspective. Thank you. Seeing some in the chat around slower traffic, people being able to cross and walk around. Um, festivals, I love coming to y'all's neighborhood for festivals. That's a great, great point in the chat. There's another second in there, <laughs> party emoji in the chat. Um, what else is standing out for folks? Things that cause there to be a sense of vibrancy. Um, if if I may, this is Dan Scott. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. It seems to me that the, the businesses come and go um, and they mostly, they're going. I think we have to rewrite the policy of how we treat people. Because um, mm. the vibrant businesses are the ones that feel that, that they're making money here and that they can run their business without being molested or overtaxed by the city. 
I mean, they've already got enough to deal with with crime and, and trash um, and our income level. So um, we we have to be able to write these codes so that we were people first. It seems like the city of St. Louis is very good at running people off, closing people down and, and making not a find a better place to do whatever the heck you want to do. And that's why places aren't staying open because I mean, the uphill climb you have to do just to open a door in the city. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous. It's so much red tape. And then once you're open, it seems like they, they, they're the constant battle to shut you down. Mm. That's what's going to make uh, places vibrant when you can do business there unmolested. Yeah. It's interesting you that you raise enjoy, kind you of can that. enjoy selling what you're doing and make a profit. It, it shouldn't have to be where you're beat the hell up by the, by the city. Because then people mm. will do what they've been doing, leaves in the city. Interesting to raise that point of that. It's really two ways. Like it's a service that businesses might offer to the community to provide space of vibrancy, but then there also needs to be support for those businesses to be able to stay. And and we've certainly heard that from others, kind of the, the reality or perceptions of challenges around small businesses in particular, being able to stay. Thanks for raising that, Dan. And what else is standing out from others? Well, we're, that's what we're trying to uh, understand, how we can better support neighborhood businesses to stay. Because um, I, I see in the chat as well, Cami mentioning that active storefronts are really, really helpful to have that sense of vibrancy um, in some specific areas there. And so I'm hearing, you know, this theme around um, being able to see what's, you know, see activity going on, people out and about, people being able to um, walk, run, and bike, which actually we'll, we'll get to our second discussion topic in a moment that'll be specifically around um, active mobility. Um, so thank you all for kind of thinking about those particular places. Um, I want to come back to this sense of change question. So when you think about how your neighborhood has changed over the last five or 10 years, or maybe even those who have been there longer, I'm curious if there is a change in what you would perceive as the sense of vibrancy and um, what's what's been causing those changes, you know, areas that are more or less vibrant than they used to be. And again, feel free to jump in verbally or put in the chat what comes to mind as you think about change over time. Um, yeah, so seeing the chat, missing some businesses that um, have closed recently. I think Daniel also mentioned mentioned Rise earlier. Yeah, I think like the ready room and the, and the music that you could hear uh, during mm. the weekends or the weeknights, the conversations that you could hear when you were when you were walking, really contributed to that feeling of community. And lately without, you know, the Atomic Cowboy or Ready Room or Rise, there's less of that interaction you get with, with people or less of that, the ambiance that you get from living in a, in a, in a, in a city, you know, cars aside, right? Yeah, thank you. And I'm seeing Sarah also in the chat, thinking about kind of that um, offering places for people to go at different hours of the day, um, having those morning hours being called out in the chat. Thank you. Anything else top of mind for folks as you imagine you know, over the last five, 10 years, changes that you've noticed um, either toward there being changes that support vibrancy um, or areas that you feel like have gotten less vibrant because of changes and why? I think one thing that we take pride in in 
the neighborhood or the murals. Some have come and gone, um, but they definitely add to that visual visual interest uh, when you're when you're walking and around the around the neighborhood. Yeah, thank you, Dan. That's certainly something we're interested in understanding, kind of um, seeing people moving around and having that kind of activity is, is one kind of vibrancy, but there might be other kinds. So I appreciate kind of the seeing the visual stimulation of murals is another example. And I also love seeing the murals around your neighborhood. Um, thank you for those in the chat adding as well, um, some concern around how to uh, support people with foot, foot traffic um, and tree, yeah, tree canopy. Um, I think this is a great combo of the, the two presentations tonight, thinking about uh, ways that we support people being able to, to move around the neighborhood uh, comfortably, tree canopy being certainly part of that. Yeah, and pets walking around. Yeah, or, or I was going to say pets walking their people around. Um, people having a reason to really walk around the neighborhood a lot with their pets. Thanks for raising that. So I think some of your comments are, are even starting to get to this last question on this topic, but want to just raise for everyone to think a bit more about what changes to either the buildings or the lots in your neighborhood um, would you want there to be in order for it to feel more vibrant and more active? Um, what kinds of things would you want to see um, in either the, you know, thinking primarily about the commercial areas or the, the streets around those, uh, what changes would you hope for? And I know some of you have already shared. So we have, we've already documented that if you have, don't worry about it. But for those who haven't thought about a change yet that you'd want to see, um, either out loud or in the chat. Hmm. So I'm seeing Kimmy in the chat kind of want, wanting, to, wanting to see into those storefronts, wanting there not to be shades drawn. Mm -hmm. See some activity in there. How can we increase foot traffic? Thanks for those in the chat adding your comments there. I've also like never seen many of these emoji responses that people are, are adding in. So that's very fun. Great. Awesome. Well, as we wind down this first part of the discussion, I'll, I'll move us to our second topic here in a moment. But if you have any last thoughts around that question around uh, commercial vibrancy, ways that you could uh, change something about building and lots to make it feel more vibrant, make it feel more active, feel free to continue putting your, your comments in the chat there. Um, and then just another plug, we will have our workshops coming up um, later on in January that will dig more into this topic as well if you'd like to come uh, hang out with us again and, and get into a little bit more detail about that topic. Please, please do. Um, but for now, I'll move us on to our second or second and final uh, little discussion topic um, so that you can get another taste of another thing we'll cover more, in more depth in the workshop. But uh, one thing that we've heard again, and actually already came up earlier today, was that uh, one aspect of kind of quality of life is being able to have a nice experience walking or biking or taking transit in our communities. And so we're curious to know a little bit more from your perspectives about what about land use makes an area nice to 
walk or bike or take transit around. Um, so I'm curious again to give you a moment to think about if there's a part of your neighborhood that stands out to you that are, or maybe other places you go as well, uh, where you'd like to have a little bit of a better experience walking or biking or taking transit. Maybe it's fine now, but how could it be better? Um, so think about a spot that stands out to you where you currently walk or bike or take transit, um, but that you'd like it to be better for you in some way. So take a moment to think of that spot. And I'll also ask you to think about what were the, what might change, what changes would you wanna see in those areas, the buildings or lots in that area to make that experience better for you? Um, so as you're ready with that reflection, feel free to begin to populate it in the chat um, or share out loud when you're ready. All right, I'm already seeing some tree love in the chat. Um, definitely that's something that we've heard a lot about from, from other neighbors as we think, especially as Liz was mentioning, as we think about a future where we want to plan for resiliency around heat, um, being able to be outside walking or biking or moving around, having tree canopy is, can be a helpful um, you know, comfort to that. So thanks for raising that. Um, love the idea of smoother, smoother areas for rollerblading. Um, I have some folks in my neighborhood, I also see a rollerblading around. Yes, I agree about the coziness of having um, kind of a sense of, of closeness where the roads aren't too wide um, so that they feel a little cozier for walkers. Hmm, some street level connections to buildings. So not just seeing blank walls. Yeah, Cammie, if, if there's any more detail you'd wanna share about that or if that resonates with somebody else, if you wanna add more about what, what makes something feel connected at that street level. I appreciate Sarah, you raising you know, this, this um, concern about connection, not just within the neighborhood, but also how do you move outside of it comfortably as a walker or um, a biker or a transit rider. Um, I also cross that pedestrian bridge uh, pretty frequently and uh, there's not another great way right now. So curious as for others, if there are other uh, types of kind of connections outside of the neighborhood that you'd like to see. I see you got a bunch of hearts there. So I know, know folks are also thinking about that. Right, is anything else coming to mind as you imagine what might make an area where you walk or you bike or you take transit, what might make that better for you? And you, you know, I might think about, you know, where do you walk to get to a local business? Or where do you walk to your dog? Or just where do you walk to get from your house to your friend's house or just down the street? Um, it could be really small changes or some larger changes, but anything else standing out for you is things that could make that experience better. Yeah, thank you, Sarah, in the chat. So calling out some really specific areas that have um, some uh, barriers to connection right now.
I'd add that uh, even our own neighborhood is a little cut off. Uh, Forest Park Southeast extends to 44, but you don't think of it much past um, Van Aventer or, or the highway tracks or the, the railroad tracks, where on the other side you have Barquet and you have an apartment going up, but um, there's no connection there other than a sidewalk on, on Van Aventer to get there. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious if there's anything either, Dan, from your perspective or others, um, anything you'd like to see change about that area that would make there feel like there was more of a connection to the rest of the neighborhood? I mean, I would say a, a small example would be some type of connection over the railroad, a pedestrian bridge or so. Um, there isn't much over there on the other side right now, except for Parquet and apartment, but I'm sure the people in that apartment and people who have dogs want to go to Parquet and building that connection would further strengthen, you know, the opportunity to, to build over there or to, you know, um, access some amenities on both sides of the neighborhood. Yeah, that's really helpful. And thanks folks in the chat responding to that as well. Um, I think that's some of what we're really wanting to understand from people in different neighborhoods is where are those places where you're noticing that disconnect? Um, because you all, you know, you notice that every day, right? Like um, you're thinking like, oh, I wish I could go over there. It's only a five, it's only five minutes away, but um, there's not really a, a way that I feel comfortable getting there other than maybe driving there. So thanks for sharing some of those details. Great. Oh, well, I know we uh, we have come to the end of our, our official time, but I want to just give space if there's any last comments as you think about um, ways to improve walking or biking or taking transit around different parts of the neighborhood or on that last point around improving connections, a sense of connection or kind of the logistics of connection across the neighborhood. Any last comments? Yeah, thank you, Liz, for taking notes. Awesome. Well, I will leave you then with a last plug to take a look at the website. We have uh, several upcoming workshops that will be, um, you know, similar in a vibe as what we just talked about, but across several different categories, topic areas that have come up um, in our conversations so far. Um, and then at the workshops, we'll also have other members of our team, particularly if you're able to come join us in person. Um, that'll be a bigger one. It'll have members of the planning department as well. For those of you who have some more specific nuanced questions about this loop, that would be a great place for you to be able to, to talk and connect with members of that team also. Um, but for now, so nice talking with you all. Thank you again for engaging with us tonight. And we hope to be able to talk to you all again soon at an upcoming workshop. And Dan, really appreciate you hosting us. Yeah, that was that was really wonderful. And thanks for, you know, taking the time to come to talk to us and hear from us. Um, highly encourage everyone, you only got a taste of 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 what they're looking to to hear from folks about. So uh, definitely go to uh, their upcoming workshop um, to to give them even more of that feedback. Um, yeah, I'm going to share my screen once again and wrap up our meeting here. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, next up, um, we do have, there is a planned infrastructure meeting um, on Wednesday, January 31st um, at 6 p.m. at Park Central's office, uh, which is at 
45 12 Manchester Avenue. Um, we do have, as it was brought up uh, a couple times in uh, the meeting today, we do have another winter tree pruning event coming up on uh, Sunday, the first Sunday of February. Um, don't mad at Shoto Park, meet at Shoto Park. Um, and then, yeah, our next meeting will be Tuesday, February 20th uh, at 6.45 at Missouri Foundation for Health and Zoom. Uh, this meeting, uh, we will have... Um, sorry, Dan, it, I think it's February 4th. February 4th? Yeah. Thank you. Always, there's always a typo. Um, hopefully that meeting is on February 20th on Tuesday. Um, there we'll have uh, a developer um, come and share plans for uh, the buildings along Kings Highway. Um, so highly encourage you to come to that meeting um, to hear from them. And then after that, they will go before the development committee uh, and present there as well. But that meeting is a chance for you to hear um, plans and share thoughts and feedback and get to know uh, who is planning uh, the project over, uh, you get to know North Point, who is planning the project over at uh, on Kings Highway. Um, with that said, uh, just wanna again, thank our uh, guest speakers. Aaron, such a lovely presentation about uh, neighborhood foresters and uh, the importance of trees. And Anna Marie and, and Liz, thank you for um, hosting these workshops and meeting with different uh, residents and neighborhood groups to uh, build a better a better uh, vision for the city. Um, there's any questions that anyone has? Um, happy to hear from from you. We have about five minutes left. Otherwise, um, we will call it a day. Uh, yeah, uh, anyone can attend the infrastructure meeting. It's open to the public. Um, that public comment and you can sit and listen to the developer and uh, provide your feedback there as well. Um, are there any questions? Um, we'll wrap it up. Uh, hope to see you all at the uh, winter tree pruning event. Otherwise, uh, our next meeting on February 20th. Thanks everybody. Thank you, Dan. Stay warm. You, You're welcome. Stay warm, guys.